Hey everybody, this is Pastor Todd, and you're listening to the Grace Community Church Sermon Podcast. We're working our way through um, the first 12 chapters in the book of Exodus this year. I'm hoping to give you 12 steps that you can follow all the way to freedom. Week one, we took step one, which is to remember that God's hand is upon you. Week two was step two, to remember that God is involved. He hears, he remembers, he sees, he knows. Week three, step three, was to listen and let it happen, also known as God is the action hero. Week four, we took step four, which is to let your belief lead you to action. Step five, this is an important one, was a reminder to dig deep because life tends to get worse before it gets better. Step six is to remember the order of things that God promises and we obey. Week seven was kind of a follow-up to week six, and the step in week seven was a good one. The more you obey, the easier life gets. And then last week we took step eight, which is to choose wisely. This week we take step nine, (laughs) which is to remember that you are the problem. (laughs) This is a good one today. I kept saying hallelujah as I wrote it. How do I know that you are the problem? Well, because in Exodus chapter 9, the pain of the story moves closer to home in Pharaoh's life. So the pain has been kind of out there. Frogs and blood and flies and such. And this week in Exodus 9, the pain begins to move closer to home in Pharaoh's life. And as I worked with the text, particularly as I neared the end of chapter 9, something hit me very clearly which gave me the hook, the idea for this sermon. And that idea is this. I realized that we are Pharaoh. I realized that we are the problem which is why we need Jesus. So with that in mind, I have 12 things that you can ask yourself when pain hits close to home. I get mocked a lot for this, that my points come out of the text. (laughs) Whatever's there is what I preach. So this week, 12 things to ask yourself when pain hits close to home. So I hope that um, you write some of these down, maybe take notes. Feel free to pull out your phone. I'll assume you're taking notes, not looking at social media, and even if you are, it's okay, I don't mind. (laughs) I passed at a church in Toronto one time with uh, a lot of street-involved people who would come into church, and they would often fall asleep on the pews. And some of my elders asked me how I felt about that, and I said, well, listen, if you can't sleep in God's house, where can you sleep? So if you can sleep, you can also scroll. But uh, feel free to take notes. I hope that some of these speak to you this morning. The first thing to um, ask yourself is this, is my obstinacy the problem? I get this out of verses 1 through 3. You'll see them there on screen. I'm not going to read you the whole chapter today. We're going to read it through as we go. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will fall with a very severe plague upon your livestock that are in the field, the horses, the donkeys, the camels, the herds, and the flocks. For if you refuse to let them go and still hold on to them. I just want to point out, Exhibit A, that Pharaoh is obstinate. 
he's still holding on. So everyone who ever held on too long in their life, say, ho, right, wave at your boy. Anybody but me ever held on too long? Right. <laughs> See, you are the problem. Now, don't get offended at me when I'm saying you are the problem. I wrote this sermon for me first. So every time I say you are the problem, I'm talking to myself and then hoping to encourage you by reminding you that yes, you are the problem. And if you are the problem, Jesus is the answer. I count all things loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. Philippians 3, 8. So let go today. Right? I count all things as loss. Let go and ask yourself, point number two, when was the last time I saw a miracle? Verse four, but the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt, so that nothing of all that belongs to the people of Israel shall die. We've had a few different words in this series so far for distinction, division, redemption. The Lord will make a distinction in the Hebrew here, the word is vehifla. Vehifla. From the root pele, which means marvel, or sign, or wonder, or miracle. So literally here, God is saying, but I will miracle. He's going to do a miracle and he's going to spare his people who live in the land of Goshen. So none of their livestock are going to die. It's not a division. It's a miracle. So here's the question for you. When was the last time you saw a miracle? Chances are, the last time you saw a miracle was the last time you truly needed a miracle. And the follow-up question to that is a bit dangerous. When was the last time you truly needed a miracle? I think most of us would say almost never. Why have we almost never needed a miracle? Because we are the products of the North American culture that is absolutely obsessed with doing everything we can to protect ourselves from harm. So it's possible that you have never experienced a miracle because you've never needed one. And then there's those of you who have suffered dramatic loss, horrifying turns of events rip the carpet out moments in your life. And you want to shout at me and say, I have, preacher, I have. I have experienced a miracle. So I just want to point out to you today that you experience miracles when you need them. So, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. Matthew 7, 7. Let me urge you this morning as you learn to take these steps to freedom to stop trying to be God to yourself and instead to turn your attention to asking the real God of the universe to intervene. And ask yourself, point number three, um, do I actually believe God will do what he says? We're now in verses five through seven. And the Lord set a time saying, tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. And the next day the Lord did this thing. All the livestock of the Egyptians died, but not one of the livestock of the people of Israel died. And Pharaoh sat, sent, and behold, not one of the livestock of Israel was dead, but the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. It's important here to note that after 
This plague strikes the livestock of Egypt on the appointed day. Pharaoh's first reaction is to send a servant to check and see if the word of the Lord came true. It's astonishing to me that he doesn't believe, having had all of his livestock die, but he still wants to send somebody to check and see if the word of the Lord came true, if indeed he had done a miracle in the land of Goshen and none of the livestock of the Hebrews was dead. Here's the point. Pharaoh did not believe God would do what he said he would do. It's important to remind you this morning as you seek to take these steps to freedom that belief is absolutely bedrock to any vibrancy that any of you will experience in any aspect of your Christian life. Belief is the bedrock. Consider the words of John 6, 35 through 40. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Here it is. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, receive it. I will never cast out, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Here it is. And this is the will of him who sent me. Receive it, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise her up, I will raise him up at the last day. I mean, I could have quit and just preached from John 6 today. I don't want to belabor the point, but please notice how deeply bedrock belief is to the Jesus story and your part in it. Do I believe in Jesus? Also ask yourself question number four. Um, have I learned any lessons from my scars? I love this point. It's found in verses 8 through 12. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take handfuls of soot from the kiln and let Moses throw them in the air in the sight of Pharaoh. It shall become fine dust over all the land of Egypt and become boils breaking out in sores on man and beast throughout all the land of Egypt. So they took soot from the kiln and stood before Pharaoh and Moses threw it in the air and it became boils breaking out in sores on man and beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils. For the boils came upon the magicians and upon all the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh and he he did not listen to them as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Does this mean I need to use this now or just in case? Just use it now? This point kind of jumped up and took me by surprise. Moses does what God says. He throws the soot up in the air and it becomes boils on everybody in the land of Egypt. I want to point out two things from the text. One is obvious, one not so much. One, everybody's is in pain. I mean, is that true of our world or what? This will help you deal with people. This will help you be more patient with people. To remember that everyone is in pain. The second thing is not quite so obvious in this section. You have to kind of sit with it for a second. And then you realize, hey, this is different than every other plague we've seen so far. Every other plague we've seen so far, Pharaoh tells Moses and Aaron to plead with the Lord for relief. He does, and relief comes. In this instance, there is no relief that comes from the boils. 
which means I assume that the boils just ran their course. The boils broke out, they turned into sores and then they burst, and then they turned to scars. And I imagine that in all the land of Egypt, the people of Egypt bore the scars of that day for the rest of their lives. Here's the point for you today. Everyone has scars, including you. But have you learned anything from them? Have you learned anything from your scars? This begs turning for just a moment to the iconic section of Romans chapter 5, which talks about pain and the usefulness of it. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. More than that, here it is, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Have you learned anything from your scars? And ask yourself, question number five, what is the state of my heart. We come now to verses 13 through 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, rise up early in the morning and present yourself before Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. For this time, here it is, I will send all my plagues on you yourself and on your servants and your people so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. This is incredible here. In the Hebrew, when we read, for this time, I will send all my plagues on you yourself, it actually says in the Hebrew, I will send all my plagues onto your heart. Al livcha, al on livcha, the heart of you. This is why I can tell you in this sermon, I can use the hook that the pain is moving closer to home because it is. Now I will take all my plagues and I will put them on your hearts. I want to remind you this morning, it's important that sin has consequences. And those consequences tend to move closer and closer to home. Have you ever experienced this? The longer you persist in sinful patterns, the closer and closer the consequences come to hitting you at home. Let me remind you this morning, because I care about you, that we broke the world. We broke the world. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah 17, 9. So let me invite you to check your heart and ask yourself question number six. Uh, could it be worse? We're now in verse 15. For by now, God is speaking, I could have put up my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence and you would have been cut off from the earth. God's got a little bit of chutzpah here. I could have wiped you out. I, if, <laughs> I wonder if the subject says, I should have wiped you out. I could have wiped you and your people off the face of the earth. The point being, it could have been much worse. So why didn't God just wipe Pharaoh and his people out? I think for two reasons. I think one, God is working out his purposes here. We've touched on this in the previous eight chapters. But also I think God does not wipe them out because he's patient. 
We know he's patient from the story. He keeps giving them ways of escape. He keeps giving them opportunities to lessen their suffering. We'll come to one in just a moment here in the text. But we know that God is patient from the grand story of God and his people. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 2 Peter 3, 9. It's really important every time, if you ever grow up to become a preacher, every time you reference the patience of God, it's very important to, in the same breath, urge your people not to presume upon the patience of God. Today, if you would hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion, Hebrews 13, 15. God is patient. Repent today. God is patient. Quit acting the fool today. Do not presume upon his patience and ask yourself, question number seven, am I telling the right story about the right hero? I love this. We're now in verses 16 through 18. But for this purpose I have raised you up, to show you my power, so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. You are still exalting yourself against my people and will not let them go. Behold, about this time tomorrow I will cause very heavy hail to fall, such as never has been in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. Importance. So that my name may be proclaimed. You want to hear the sentence in Hebrew here? The whole sentence, not just a word. So that my name may be proclaimed, Lema'an, Ulema'an Sefer Shmi Bekol Ha'aretz. Ulema'an, and for the sake of Sefer, the storybook telling Shmi of my name, Bekol in all Ha'aretz, the earth. Ulema'an Sefer Shmi Bekol Ha'aretz, for the sake of the storybook telling of my name in all the earth. God is about the storybook telling of his name. So if you find your life out of alignments with the life of God, this is usually characterized by increasing amounts of suffering and futility. If you find yourself in that kind of situation, just check to see whether you are telling the storybook of his name in all the earth. Are you living a life that is the storybook telling of the glory of God? Make sure your life is telling the right story about the right hero. And ask yourself, question number eight, am I paying attention? We're now in verses 19 through 21. Now therefore send, get your livestock and all that you have in the field into safe shelter. For every man and beast that is in the field and is not brought home will die when the hail falls on them. Here it is. Then whoever feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh hurried his slaves and his livestock into the houses. But whoever did not pay attention to the word of the Lord left his slaves and his livestock in the fields. Are you astonished that the God of the universe is so patient and kind that he gives Pharaoh a warning and says, look, if you want to get all your people and all of your livestock who haven't died in the plague into shelter so that they don't die in the hail. And clearly, Pharaoh, or at least some of his servants, sent messengers out into the land because we see this tension between those who listened and those who didn't. And it's astonishing to me as a Bible preacher who loves you that we still see that same tension in our lives and in our culture today. Some people listen to God, some people don't. Which kind of person are you? And I'm not just going to leave you with listening. It's not enough. Why? Because of the original text here. But whoever feared the Lord hurried. You know what the word here is for hurried? Hanis. You know what hanis means? It means caused to flee. 
So they didn't just listen, they didn't just hurry. Half of us don't listen, most of us don't even hurry. They didn't just hurry, they caused to flee. There was an urgency in their response to the word of the Lord. Somebody say touche, preacher. I don't even need to say it, you know what I'm saying. No, I gotta say it. Is your life marked by this kind of urgency? Or are you someone who does not pay attention? This is scary in the Hebrew. And those who did not put their heart. Even in modern Hebrew today, when your school teacher says to you, pay attention, Hebrew school teachers love to shout. They say, Simu Lev. Put your heart on it. Simu, put your Lev. Heart. Simu Lev. Samu Lev. And those who did not place their hearts. So the question is this, are you hurrying to obey the word of the Lord or is your heart in the wrong place? Ask yourself that and ask yourself question number nine, am I acting like everything is affected? We get this out of verses 22 through 26. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven so that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt on man and beast and every plant of the field in the land of Egypt. Then Moses did so, and the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. There was hail and fire flashing continually in the midst of the hail. Very heavy hail, such as had never been in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. Here it is. The hail struck down everything that was in the field in all the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And the hail struck down every plant of the field and broke every tree in the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the people of Israel were, was there no hail. Everything. Every plant every tree. When a Jewish writer wants you to pay attention, they write in groups of three. Everything is affected. We broke the world. Sin touches everything. For the sake of time, I won't go back and read this passage. There's tons of Bible in today's sermon. But maybe you can go home and reference Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 through 19, which is the curse sequence, where God curses the serpent, and then God curses Eve, and then God curses Adam. What is absolutely horrifying about the curse sequence in our original origin story is that the curse that God lays on his people as a result of their disobedience touches absolutely every aspect of their life. Sin curses everything. We broke the world. We are the problem. So you might be thinking, so what can I do? Ask yourself question 10, which we find in verses 27 through 29. Question 10 is, do I have the right perspective? Then Pharaoh sent and called Moses and Aaron and said to them, this time I have sinned. The Lord is in the right, and I and my people are in the wrong. Plead with the Lord, for there has been enough of God's thunder and hail. I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. Moses said to him, as soon as I have gone out of the city, I will stretch out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease, and there will be no more hail, so that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. Important to note here that finally Pharaoh admits it. He says, I have sinned and the Lord is in the right. You know what that sentence reads in the Hebrew? The Lord is in the right. Ve'adonai hatzadik, and Yahweh is the righteous one. Somebody said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Pharaoh's finally getting some good theology here. I have sinned and the Lord is in the right. God is the righteous one. This is a very good perspective to have. You're God, I'm not. This is the merry mindset. What is the merry mindset? It's found in Luke 1:38. Hear the voice of Mary across the centuries. I am the servant of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. 
That's the merry mindset. I want to invite you to adopt it and to ask yourself question number 11. And band, you can join me because I'm almost done. Adopt the merry mindset and ask yourself this question. Am I grasping at straws? We find ourselves now in verses 30 through 32. Moses speaking to Pharaoh saying, But as for you and your servants, I know that you do not yet fear the Lord God. In brackets, the flax and the barley were struck down. For the barley was in the ear and the flax was in bud. But the wheat and the emmer were not struck down, for they are late in coming up. So here's the picture. All of the crops have been wiped out. Previous to this, all of the livestock has been wiped out. Complete economic devastation has been visited upon Egypt and there are maybe two crops left because they weren't in bloom when the hailstorm struck. And so Moses clearly thinks here that Pharaoh is hedging his bets on those two crops that are possibly still left. I just want to say that Pharaoh is clearly grasping at straws. He is still hedging his bets. And if you are still doing the same, I want to invite you today to stop. Once and for all, quit grasping at straws. Once and for all, stop hedging your bets and come to Jesus. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord that he may have compassion on them and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon Isaiah 55, 6 and 7. Put another way, maybe it's time to ask our final question. Um... Can I get a little help, please? That's question 12. Can I get a little bit of help? We find this as we close in verses 33 through 35. So Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh and stretched out his hands to the Lord. And the thunder and hail ceased. And the rain no longer poured on the earth. But when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet again and hardened his heart, he and his servants. So the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people of Israel go, just as the Lord had spoken through Moses. How do I get, could I get a little help, please, out of this? Because this is the seminal point of the whole sermon. Find it there in the text. What did Pharaoh do when Moses prayed and the storm stopped? He sinned yet again. (laughs) You should smile. Pharaoh can't help himself. Know anyone else who can't help themselves? Oh yeah, you. Me. I can't help myself. You can't help yourself. You are Pharaoh. We are the problem, which is why we need Jesus. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. I hope you're leaving feeling encouraged. If you have any questions for us or would like to pay us a visit, you can find all the info you need on our website, gracecommunity.ca.